we'll find the, uh, what my granny used to call the flicker doodle, the, uh, the thing that makes it go forwards and backwards. But thank you very much for allowing me to speak here tonight. All right. Um, it's the Lord's Day, and not only are we meeting here in this place, but there's lots of other places in this county, this state, and this nation, and around the world. And I think of my brethren, especially in Guyana, South America. Uh, happy Mother's Day to all of you that are mothers, grandmothers, and any great-grandmothers here. You want to raise your hand? We got a few. All right. What does it take to be a mother? You have to have children. Now, they may be biological, or you may be, uh, have adopted children, just like Jesus adopts us into his kingdom. And we are to be like little children. They are very innocent, and they're quick to forgive, and so we need to be more like them. In Guyana, uh, most of the sh pictures I'll be showing are from the interior of Guyana, away from the coast and away from uh, televisions and, and uh, concrete and electricity and things like that. But Hope Children's Home is run by a Church of Christ. The Inmore congregation actually meets in the facility. And they have about 50 children there, and they are special needs, uh, abused, and abandoned children. And some of them may not have mothers. This is Mother's Day, but some of them don't. But they're getting the care they need at Hope Children's Home. And I help raise some funds for the children there. And what I really like is, is they teach them life skills. And they each have a little bank account, and they'll make greeting cards and crafts and so on and sell those and it goes into their bank account. And I wish that uh, students in the United States would learn how to uh, do a checkbook and, and balance a checkbook and things like that. They currently are helping about 50. They have this big expansion project that they're trying to do so they can help even more children in the future. The Cumberland Church of Christ, I realize that sounds like it's probably here somewhere, but it's, it's in Guyana, but it is called Cumberland. They have an after-school feeding program, and so you have children, may have mothers, they may not, I don't know, but they show up, and while they're being fed, of course, they're a captive audience, and you can teach them about the Bible. This is uh, Brother Hubert. He was, he uh, laid out of church one Sunday to help his brother go cut wood, and uh, he lives near the rainforest in uh, Morocco and a tree fell on him, and now he's paralyzed from the waist down. And unfortunately, he thinks that that's God's curse on him because he missed church that day. We try to assure him that it could have happened at any other time. But uh, in the Bible, obviously Jesus said, uh, I was hungry, I was naked, uh, I was a stranger, uh, you didn't take me in. And they said, well, we didn't see you like that. And it, he said, inasmuch as you do it not to one of the least of these, you didn't do it to me. And so if we don't take care of people, when we see the needs, it ends with saying, and these will go away into everlasting punishment. So may we always realize what wonderful blessings that we have here in the United States. And there are folks right here in our neighborhood that don't have enough, and we need to be sensitive to things like that. It, the Bible tells us to look after orphans and widows. Uh, let us not grow weary while doing good. Let us do good to all, especially those of the household of faith. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. 
Now, I realize I'm talking to the Sunday night crowd, and this is the core group of any congregation, and so I'm preaching to the choir, as they say. You all already do these things. And to contribute to the needs of the saints and to seek to show hospitality. And I want to thank this congregation. Uh, you may not be aware, if you're not one of the elders or deacons, the tremendous amount of uh, funds that you all have helped with Guyana that you've sent that way. And then also you've collected other things and books and eyeglasses and Bibles and things. And it is very much appreciated. I wish you could meet the people that you helped down there. These houses are typical of what you find in the Savannah region, which is the grasslands area of Guyana. They don't have as many trees there, and so therefore they use mud brick to make their houses. And then the corrugated metal is very expensive and, and hard to get in there. It's, uh, you can't just go 15 miles up the road to a Lowe's and pack it in your truck. They don't have any of those type things. And so uh, sometimes they have concrete uh, houses as well as the brick. But there at the bottom, it tells you things that they don't have, don't have electricity. And some of you young people listening, can you imagine that? Not being able to get on the Facebook, <laughs> not having any access. You can't order anything on Amazon. Of course, you don't have the money to pay for it anyway, but you don't have the television and video games and all the other things that we're used to. But if you think about it, if you're sitting there watching cat videos on YouTube, you're probably wasting your time. Yeah, they're funny, but we should be studying God's word instead of being distracted. These are houses that are typical in more of the rainforest and along the rivers and streams. There's a lot more wood that grows there, so the houses tend to be made out of wood. And there's no uh, rules there like we have as far as uh, having to have insurance and uh, insulation and indoor plumbing and things like that. So if you get married, you don't necessarily, you don't go rent a place or rent a trailer for a while and then eventually get a house. You just go out and if you can find somebody that's got a chainsaw, that would really help. And you just make your own house and live there. Most of them are about the size of a one car garage. They're not a very big place at all. They have a lot less, but are more content than we are. This is Joseph Adventura. He was in the army and uh, a, got in a fight with someone who was drunk. They stabbed him in the back and he was paralyzed in his left leg. His right leg is uh, terrible and needs to be replaced and so he's confined to a wheelchair now. But he later on became a member of the church uh, later in life and went to Guyana Christian University and uh, now is a preacher. And he wheels himself to uh, church every day. Or, well, he, he goes out every day and visits people and sets up Bible studies. And he wheels himself down the road to the church building. He didn't have a place to live. He lived in a little lean-to with a tarpaulin over that. And one of the brethren um, got enough money to build about half of what you see here. It was about an eight-foot by eight-foot square. And that's what he had. And then afterwards, they've added on to it, so now it's about 8 by 16. But you know what? He's perfectly content there. He's got what he needs. He, he isn't married and doesn't have children, but he is content. The rubber on those four tires is just about completely gone. And I got him this wheelchair, and I'm looking to get him another one. 
because it's not on carpet, it's not on concrete, and so it wears out when you're on those dirt roads and things like that. We're going to have hardships in our life. It may not be the same as what they faced in Guyana, but we need to learn to be content. The Apostle Paul says, For I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. And he says uh, in 2 Corinthians, I am content. And he names a bunch of things. In weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. Uh, I don't know if I'm content, you know, if I'm sitting there drinking a sweet tea watching my favorite western on TV. Somehow I'm still not content, I don't think. How about living the way they do in Guyana? And in Luke 12, 15, this is a proper perspective. One's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Now, we have a lot of stuff. Our closets are full of stuff. We rent storage buildings to put more stuff. <laughs> they don't have that in Guyana, and yet they are more content than we are. This fellow is named Nicodemus Joseph. He's one of the uh, folks in Guyana that's best known for making crafts like this out of balata. You see the tree on the upper left? You sort of milk it. You get the uh, natural latex out of the tree, and then you warm that up, and it becomes soft, and then you can shape it into different things. Well, he has a, a bunch of different colors. He'll have some that he's is yellow and green and red and blue and whatever, and he takes those kind of like when you were a kid with Play-Doh, and he fashions these things. He doesn't make them uh, and then paint them, and he doesn't have any sort of a mold. These are all handmade, one of a kind. Each time, they're unique, and they're absolutely beautiful things that he makes. Well, God can mold us in that same way. He can use us to be the person that we need to be. We need to be open to God's will in our lives to let him shape us and transform us. And we need to be soft-hearted, like when that balata is warmed up and it becomes soft and it can be fashioned into something. Let God fashion us into the, the vessel of honor and of service that he wants us to be. And we need to be willing and open to that and pray about it. Don't resist it whenever God presents us with an opportunity. This is Brother Walford Donald uh, riding or driving the motorcycle here. Uh, I just returned last month from Guyana, and we were in his village of Quatamang. And he uh, lives there, but he actually works with three different congregations. Every day he goes out visiting and doing Bible studies. And on Sundays, he has to borrow a motorcycle because he needs to go about 23 miles uh, to another congregation and about 28 miles to another congregation. And I am uh, raising funds so that he can have their small motorcycles over there. They're not the big CC, real powerful stuff like we have in America because they can't drive on an interstate at 70 miles an hour. So they just need something that will get them from one place to the other and go up and down some hills. So that's why it's uh, less expensive. But this man is a real worker. He and his family are tremendous. And we wish that we could clone people like this in the Lord's work and to do even more. He uh, started the congregation at a, another village a few, several miles away called Taushita. Well, when you start a congregation, you don't have anything. And so they needed Bibles, songbooks, and Bible class materials. And that's kind of my part of the work. As you can tell, I'm not a polished uh, speaker, and so other people are better at preaching, 
but I love going and I love the work and I am passionate about that and there's things that I can do lots and lots of things whether I'm in Guyana or here and I collect uh, materials and ship from Nashville about once a month to Guyana. Now we are to follow the Great Commission go and teach and make disciples. It says go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So what we have learned from our mentors and our teachers and from the Bible, we are to share that with other people. Paul, talking to Timothy, said, And the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people, who will also be qualified to teach others. So in other words, we, as I mentioned cloning earlier, we need to do that because none of us are gonna live forever. There are folks in this congregation that may not be here in five years or 10 years or 20 years. And so you need to train people that are coming up to do the things that the older folks have been doing. Moses did that before he passed on. He gave leadership over to Joshua. Uh, Elijah gave his mantle to Elisha, and he literally had the mantle that he wears, but also figuratively he gave his mantle to Elisha. So all of the things that you have learned, we are to go and make disciples and pass that on to other people, whether it be locally here or in a third world country in South America. These are two rivers in Guyana where they meet. This was taken from an airplane, and obviously there's two different levels of uh, sediment in the rivers, different colors. Well, when they meet, I always wonder, well, which one is gonna be the dominant one? You know, what color is the river gonna be downstream? And so in our lives, are we influencing other people when we meet them and come in contact with them, or are they influencing us? And I, it's a little different here because as I understand about one fourth of the people that live in Jackson County are members of the Lord's Church, according to uh, Mac Lynn's book that he does. That is tremendous because where we live, it's not that way. It's, uh, it might be, you might go between Sunday and Wednesday, you might not see another Christian, you know, except for my wife, uh, when you're out and about at Walmart and Dollar General and places like that. And so we need to be aware that we can influence other people. This is a silk cotton tree. It's a beautiful tree. It's very big around uh, at the bottom there. And it's called that because you see the picture of the inset. A couple of times a year, silk uh, cotton ball looking things grow on the tree. And they have these fibers in them. But they're not fibers that you spin into thread to make clothes, but they have found that they're good for using in padding of sleeping bags and mattresses and pillows in life preservers and things like that. But I was focusing on the root system. Look at the root system on that tree. That is a well-grounded tree. It's not gonna go anywhere, no matter what comes its way. How strong is your faith? Are you rooted like that tree that we just saw when the storms of life come, when there's floods and droughts, so to speak, that happened in our life? Are we like some of the pine trees that tend to tip over in a storm? Or are we well-rooted? In Colossians, it says, uh, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. 
just like that massive root system on the silk cotton tree. Termite mounds. We think of termites in a whole different way here. We had some at our house and they get into your wood and eat that. There they make these mounds and some of them grow to seven, eight, nine feet tall, okay? They uh, feed on dead plant matter and rotten wood and things like that. And it kind of reminds me of how Satan does to people. He's probably not going to uh, attack the ones that are most active and vibrant and working in the church. Now, he will, but he's especially going to pick the ones that are half-hearted, uh, not attending services, and kind of dead wood in a way. That tree on the right used to be a very healthy tree. And over time, the termites took it over. And we need to not let that happen in our lives. Don't let sin overtake our lives. Don't let Satan in there and affect our, our will, our soul, and our life. Guyana is actually very beautiful. When you're flying from the coast to the interior, you just go over miles and miles and miles of nothing but green forest. And it's lovely. And out of all of the Amazon rainforests, Guyana has the highest percentage of pristine rainforest. You know, they haven't logged it, they haven't uh, torn it down, and things like that, such as in uh, Brazil. But sometimes you come across a place that looks like this, and it's a real scar on the earth. As you fly over, this happens to be a gold mine. There are other ores that they mine in Guyana, and it really messes it up. It's uh, uh, devastating to the environment, it destroys the wildlife habitats, and it messes with the resources of the local indigenous people, which are called Amerindians, and it pollutes the rivers. And uh, again, I think that that's an analogy of our life. We need to be clean and pure, like those first pictures that I showed you, and not let sin in our life like this. Road conditions can be really difficult, especially during the rainy season which is uh, right now in Guyana for about two and a half months. And they don't have the highway system and infrastructure that we do, the bridges and asphalt and concrete. And so when it rains, uh, it's really difficult to pass somewhere. We were at Zion this morning, and uh, Donna's brother John works for the, the Tennessee uh, TDOT, Tennessee Department of Transportation. And I asked him if he got any complaints from people about potholes and things like that. And, of course, you do. All of us complain about it. But look at these pictures. I don't ever complain again about the local roads when you see conditions like that. And sometimes it's not uh, just water or a lack of a bridge, but sometimes there is a live speed bump in the road. Uh, this happens to be about a 30-foot-long anaconda. So... You just let it pass by, and then you drive on. But there's always some sort of a hazard that's going to pop up in our life, and how do we handle that? Uh, the indigenous people are called Amerindians, and they're all about, uh, about a head shorter than me. And I'm only 5'8", so here in the United States, I'm on the short side. <laughs> when I go to Guyana, as you can tell, I look like a giant compared to Leon Henry. He's one of the preachers over there. That's before my beard and I weighed less there, but I still look massive. And then on the right, this was last month, this was a, a firefighter who's also an EMT because it was a medical mission trip and a nurse. And they're both on the tall side and this, this little Amerindian lady is really, really short. She's on the short side. But you know what? Your size doesn't matter. 
God doesn't look at that, at your height, but at your heart. And in 1 Samuel, when God had sent Samuel to choose the next king, he was looking at David's older brothers, and they were all strong and handsome and, and all that. And God said, do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature. For the Lord sees not as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And uh, <clears throat> I get emotional real easy. But uh, the people in Guyana have a lot of heart. They're very short in size, but they are very tender-hearted and very big-hearted. This rock, if you've ever been to uh, Stone Mountain, Georgia, and seen this big rock that sticks out of nowhere, it's very similar to that. It's about 676 feet. I looked up the tallest building in downtown Nashville. If you've been through there lately, it's really grown up, and there's condos and big buildings everywhere. The tallest building in Nashville is only 620 feet. So if you can imagine Stone Mountain, Georgia, plopped down right in the middle of uh, Nashville, and, and the, the stone is higher than all of those buildings. That's what this thing is right here. It happens to be in the South Rupununi area, and the local Wapashana word, it means swelling, because that's what it looks like. It's swelled up out of the ground. But what is it about uh, a rock? Um, it's there forever. It doesn't go away. The weather doesn't seem to affect it. It doesn't move, and that is what God is to us. Jacob describes God as the rock of Israel, and uh, Hannah, after she received the blessing of, of having a baby, she has a prayer of thanksgiving. There is no rock like our God. And King David, or perhaps before he was king, he was writing hymns, and he says, the Lord is my rock. So in uh, the hard times in life, we can know that God and Jesus and even the Bible is our rock. It doesn't change. It's not moved by society or what changes in the media it is always there and that should give us peace and assurance and we can build our hope on that rock because it never changes a sloth they have two types in guyana three-toed and two-toed and i found out that they're talking about the front feet the back feet actually have uh, five toes but the pale-throated sloth is actually, in the Guinness Book of World Records, the world's slowest animal. I don't know how long it's going to take for that sloth to get across that road, but it's blocking the path of that van there in Guyana. So let us not be slothful. Don't be lazy. Don't be an obstacle like this one is to the congregation. The congregation has something they're wanting to do, vacation Bible school, uh, a ladies' day, uh, whatever it is. Uh, you had a singing recently. I guess that was a joint singing with other congregations. You know, don't be a stumbling block. Be positive about it. Be helpful. Show up. Participate. And in Romans 12, it tells us to not be slothful, but rather be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Most people don't know where Guyana is, or they think it is in Africa. Or the only thing they know about it, if you're old enough to remember, is the Jonestown Massacre. Now, Jim Jones, the preacher there on the right, uh, really perverted the gospel. He, uh, he sort of preached the religion a little bit, but he did a lot of really, really bad things. 
And a senator, U.S. senator, went down to Guyana. Uh, the dictator there had given him some room, some space, and he had a big compound and had several hundred U.S. citizens there. And they killed the U.S. senator. You can look all this up. And because they killed him, they knew their days were numbered, and so he had all of his followers. Those are dead bodies there. All of them commit suicide by drinking cyanide. And that is a real dark blot on the history of Guyana, even though it had nothing to do with them. It was all North Americans rather than the, the locals. In Proverbs 14, it says, There is a way that seems right to a man, like Jim Jones, but in the end, it's the way to death. So how is it that we know what we're supposed to do? Do we listen to the preacher and not back it up, or do we go to the standard? The Bible, of course, is our standard, and this little building here is the local office of the uh, National Bureau of Standards, Weights, and Measures. They go around, and we actually have that here still. Uh, people go to um, gas stations and make sure that the gas pumps are correct, or if there's other things that weigh things, they make sure that it's correct. And, of course, the Bible is our standard, all scripture, is given by inspiration and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness, that we may be complete. It, some versions say perfect, but none of us are perfect in the sense that Jesus is, but to be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Don't listen to people like Jim Jones. Listen to the Bible. It's uh, 66 miles between those two points of Karasabai and Mokomoko. A U.S. missionary had flown in and converted people in the village of Karasabai. A whole year went by, and they had no help. They had a Bible, but they had no other instruction. And so they heard that there was a campaign that was coming 66 miles away in Mokomoko. Well, people there don't really have motorcycles. Very few do, but they had bicycles. And so they rode over terrain like you see here, up and down hills, no concrete, no asphalt, to get to where the uh, campaign or gospel meeting was happening in Mokomoka because they wanted to know what to do. They were that hungry to hear uh, the Bible. And, you know, how many Bibles do we have in our house and how often do we actually read them? Now, my wife is really good about uh, when she's getting ready. Uh, she's a school teacher. And if she has any time at all, she's got her phone playing, Bible verses, or GBN, or other things like that. She's listening to preaching all of the time. And in uh, Mark 12, it says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And I imagine that those fellows that rode 66 miles one way <laughs> needs a lot of strength uh, to get there, and then all the way back home. This happened earlier uh, this year. There is a group called World Evangelism, and they provide a lot of books for me. They go all over the world. But uh, the two fellows in the yellow shirts were doing a campaign in different regions of Guyana. And these other three fellows, not in yellow, walked seven hours through the mountains that you can see there on the bottom in order to attend a Bible seminar. They wanted to be there. How many of us would even drive seven hours to go do something? 
uh, maybe a lectureship or something like that. But they thought enough of God's word to walk seven hours one direction in order to be able to hear someone speak about God's word. And that encourages me that somebody has that kind of faith and that dedication in order to do that. This is a new congregation that has started. Now, this one is closer up to the coast. Uh, the preacher is there on the right in the white shirt. Uh, he preaches at the Cotton Tree Congregation. And a few miles away, he doesn't own a vehicle, so he has to get a taxi or something. And uh, he has started this congregation. They don't have a building, and they meet outside. But notice uh, the preacher doesn't have a left arm. When he was young, unlike us, when we go to the grocery store and we get bananas or coconuts or whatever and we buy it off of the shelf, well, he had to climb a tree to get it. That's the way they do it down there. He fell out of the tree and it, it mangled his arm, it, the, the elbow and so on. And he is a little bit younger than me, so this was about 40 years ago. They didn't have the... Uh, the medical technology to fix it. And so they amputated this young man's arm. It hasn't stopped him from preaching. I apologize, I get emotional. But not only is he not feeling sorry for himself, he's a preacher of the gospel. And not only does he preach at one congregation, he has started a second congregation. Doesn't that make us, that have two arms and two hands, doesn't it make us feel kind of guilty <laughs> and ashamed? But it also should encourage us that we see people like this. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. And in Romans, it says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. So the fellows riding the bicycle and walking so far, they needed endurance to handle that. This is the, uh, it's sort of like our uh, Washington, D.C. This is in Georgetown, the capital. They have a parliament. They have a, a British-style uh, rule along the coast. In the villages, they have a two-shall and a village council. But the parliament and the Supreme Court make the rules and the final judgment for things in Guyana. And that's earthly rules, man-made rules. Of course, God makes the rules for us. And Jesus is our judge. Again, I'm talking to the core group of this congregation, so you already know all that. Uh, British, uh, we say Guyana usually, but it also can be called Guiana. And uh, there's actually French Guiana a couple of countries over. But the whole area used to be called that. And so in 1856, well before it was its own country, um, they had postage stamps even back then. Well, they hadn't arrived yet from England. And so the local postmaster uh, got the local newspaper to print some temporary stamps. And then after the real ones came in, they tried to get rid of all of the, the temporary ones and get them out of circulation. Well, one survived, and you see a picture of it there. And there's only one of a kind. It's the only one left in the world. And so if it's only one of something, it makes it valuable to somebody. And so it's, at the last time it was sold, worth $47,500. And it's like the size of your thumbnail, and it weighs one thousandth of an ounce. So it is the world's most expensive item by weight. But it is nothing compared to God's Word. I don't know how much a Bible weighs. You may not even have an actual Bible anymore. You may have it in your uh, 
on your phone or on your tablet. But the God's word is absolutely priceless. And we are commissioned to share it with the world. Did God say only the paid preacher? Did he say only the elders? Only the deacons? He didn't even just say only men. But all of us are to go teach people about the gospel. So maybe here are some things that we've learned today. Uh, are we as content with the things that we have as we ought to be? Do you share your blessings with others? And I'm sure that you do. Do you let God mold you into what he wants you to be? Don't have a stubborn will. Uh, but if God leads you to do mission work in South America, go do it. If he wants you to lead singing and you've resisted it, go ahead and do it. If you haven't been teaching a Bible class, but you kind of wanted to, and people have been encouraging you, give into it. Let God mold you. Uh, are we as compassionate towards the needy as we ought to be? Are we as deeply rooted as that silk cotton tree? Are we, uh, do we allow Jesus to be the rock in our life, the one stable thing that doesn't change? Do we influence others for good? Or are we letting society and others influence us for bad? Are you ever lazy and slothful? Do you hunger for God's word? Or you just prefer to watch television or, or do something else? Are you sharing the gospel with others? It's not enough just to come here and to sit in the warm pew. We're to do more than that. So you've got family members and neighbors, people that live down the road, and coworkers that you can evangelize. And then I know some of you all here and you're wonderful people and the singing is great and uh, some of you, you know, send me nice messages or, or even some funds to help with the work. So you're great people, but I don't know your true spiritual condition. Only you know that and God knows that. And of course, if you have not been baptized, you're not a full member of God's family. You, you're a member of the human race, but that's not the same thing as being a part of the church. And of course, baptism is a reenactment of Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection. And we all know Jesus was sinless. He didn't commit any sin, not one time. That's hard to imagine living 33 years and doing that, but that's exactly what happened. And he died for me, and he died for you, and each one of you. And baptism reenacts that. This lady is 22 years old. Her husband died of cancer. She is married to one of the, I mean, is the sister of one of the preachers in one of the villages that we just went to uh, last month for the medical mission. He died of cancer. She has three children, 22 years old. They have a, a half-finished little hut. The walls are about half done. There's no roof on it. She's got nowhere to, to live. And uh, the sad thing is, is that the husband never became a member of the church. And he died of cancer. You know, it wasn't like he was struck by lightning or, or fell dead instantly from a heart attack. He had time. His brother-in-law's a preacher. And he resisted and resisted and finally uh, gave in to the cancer. But he never was baptized. The children ask, when's daddy coming home? They don't understand that he's gone. And they'll ask, where is he? Where's daddy? Well, if, if you read the Bible and he's not a member of the church, 
then unfortunately, I do know where he is for eternity. But look at her. Her life is completely falling apart, but she's smiling. She is a member of the church. And even though she doesn't have anywhere to live, she lives <clears throat> in a village where there's no prospects of jobs, really. It's not like here. There's no government support programs. But yet she's smiling because she is part of God's family. And so I'm going to ask, it's Mother's Day and it's the Lord's Day. But are you prepared? If the Lord came back right now, right now, are you prepared to meet him? And you might say confidently, yes, I'm ready. And you might be kind of like a lot of Christians and say, well, I hope so. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, or you can look in your heart and your life and go, no, I'm really not. Either I haven't been baptized or I have not lived the way that I should. And there's things that need to be fixed. The fellow that had cancer, he had some time. God gives us time to change. But don't wait too late because there's at some point that it ends and eternity is the only thing left. Make that decision well before that. 